Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast, where you can write a book and change the world. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 135, Learning to Heal from Burnout, Part 2, an interview with Amanda Hudson, coming to you on Thursday, April 4th, 2019. Well, as I mentioned last week, Amanda had so much helpful and interesting advice and tips and ideas on things that you might need to know about burnout, how to get through it, what to do or not do at work, etc., that we just decided that we were going to have to make it into two episodes. So here is the second half, and because I am recording this in your past... Let's see, that's right, talking about my future uh, because I'm getting ready to go away on my birthday trip. I don't have any particular announcements or anything else uh, to let you know, so we'll just have a very short intro and get right into the second half of the interview. Let me know whether or not this has been helpful to you and particularly whether or not you think that uh, a book on the subject would be of use to you, your friends, uh, other people. Because if I thought that people... (laughs) You know, it's hard to think about the idea of writing about your own personal experiences when they are difficult experiences, but I would do it if I thought that it was going to help people. So let me know. Uh, If I don't hear from anybody, I might just continue to go, no, I'm sure nobody needs it (laughs) and keep my, um, well, you know, sometimes we find, um, we find the things that we've gone through to be embarrassing. But you know what? Amanda is here to tell you that it shouldn't be embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. And I am still learning to uh, keep telling myself that. So all the things having to do with burnout, <laughs> they do take some time to get through, get over, and uh, change the way that we have been thinking in the past so that we can think healthier thoughts in the future. All of that being said, if you thought that that would be helpful to have in a book form so that you could refer to it, let me know because I would be very interested in uh, in doing that and helping people in that way. I hope that you have a fabulous day. Here is the second half of the interview with Amanda. Today's guest is Amanda Hudson. When she's not at her day job, Amanda writes romance and contemporary fantasy novels. She has a short story coming out in an anthology next month under the name A.K. Hudson. She also volunteers as a bookstore coordinator for the Sirens Literary Conference in Colorado. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, Kitty. It's great to be back. Thank you for uh, having me again. Uh, I know that we were chatting uh, last week, and we had so much to say about burnout and all the great things uh, that you can do for yourself, um, and also how to recognize uh, when the symptoms are coming on, that we decided we need two episodes. (laughs) We did. I couldn't stop you because it was all such great advice. <laughs> so thank you so much for having me on again and I'm looking forward to talking more about this topic. Excellent. So I'm going to just do a little pause and we'll go into the second half. <laughs> okay. And so it's taking back control of the things that you can take control of, but it's also recognizing that it's okay to want things yourself and it's okay to value yourself outside of what other people think. Um, So I I had this whole, like, I still have a posted up in front of me right now that I can see that says I am enough. Um, Because, you know, at some point when you're evaluating, evaluating yourself based on how helpful you are or what you can do for other people or what you've achieved, how many things you've checked off your to-do list. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You, you're not looking at yourself in a loving way. 
And one of the best things you can do for yourself when you are burning out or burned out is to pull back in and say, I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of taking time for myself. I am a, I'm a good person and I deserve to get well um, because other people can't do it for you. <laughs> and yeah. um, part of it is that you, you really can't heal unless you're taking care of yourself. And for me, I used to always put myself last. And so it, I felt guilty taking care of myself. And that yeah. guilt, I've talked to so many people with burnout who feel guilty. And so learning to not feel guilty by saying, this is what I need and I can't do certain things, um, that's, it's hard work, but you need to do it to get past burnout and to make sure you don't burn out again. Because yeah. uh, honestly, I took, I took on way too much at work um, because they, I would be asked, can you do this? And in my head, I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, it's, it's hard. And my therapist told me if it feels like you're doing something wrong, keep doing it. You're doing it right. Because my nature is so ingrained that for, I, I've had people come up to me at work and say, Hey, can you do this? And I've said no. And it hurts and I hate it, but I have to do it for me. Wow. So that's definitely, um, yeah, I think people who feel like they need to have control and that there's ambiguity, you start to get lost in that ambiguity and you don't see that there are things you have control over and you, you don't have to wait for someone else to tell you, you can tell yourself. Yeah. Um, I think we were talking this last week about post-its cause I'm a post-it fool. We both um, love them. I think you might love them even more than me, which makes me happy. I love post-its. I love them so much. I grew up, um, in my, my parents owned a law firm and, um, I grew up working in the mail room and the file room. So I have this like weird love affair with tabs and post-its and <laughs> writing utensils. and like, I just, I love them. Um, <laughs> yes. so one of the ways that, um, I've tried to manage some of my, um, expectations of myself is that I've taken post-it notes and put for each week what I feel like I need to do. Um, on the, the side of my calendar. And the great thing about post-it notes is you can move them. And part of what you've got to do with this um, self-love, like retraining your brain uh, thing is to be able to move that post-it note and say, like, usually in the past, I would be like, oh, I can't do this this week. I'll move it to next week. That's fine. And on the inside, I was like, that's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> And now I'm trying to train myself to, you know, I, I will move the post-it note and say, I can't do this this week. That's okay. I'll get to it later. And I mean it. Um, yeah. I think I was telling you that earlier in the week, I felt like I was starting to get sick and I freaked out about that because I'm really, I'm determined not to get the flu. Um, yeah. It's been going around uh, work. Yeah. And so I took Monday and Tuesday and I took everything that didn't have to be done um, and I really looked at what had to be done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I pushed it because it, what were the consequences if I didn't do it? I'd be mad at myself. Like, that's not fair to me. So I pushed it and I said, I'm going to work on getting rest. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to relax. And, um, I will say I had my most productive day on Wednesday afterwards because wow. I got, I got really rested up. I felt energized again and um, I didn't end up getting sick. So that's the kind of training you have to do for yourself because a lot of times, for me at least, I just wasn't being nice 
to myself. I was saying, just keep pushing through, just keep going. You, you can rest later, you can do whatever later. And that that's a great way to burn out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially if later never comes, which, yeah, at one point, I think it was just a couple weeks ago. And um, yeah, I can't remember what we were talking about, but it was something about, I want to play a video game with my husband that's it, that at least two people can play. And he's like, uh-huh. And I'm like, what does that mean? You don't want to play with me? He's like, no, I'm, I would love to play with you. I would love to do lots of things with you, but you never stop to play. All you do is work. I'm like, but that's because I have to. I have all these things that have to be done. No one else is going to do them besides me. But I couldn't stop thinking about what he said. He just shrugged his shoulders. He's like, all I know is you never play. And not just playing a video game. And I was like, holy crap, that's probably part of the reason why I had this burnout problem if yeah. I never stop. Yeah, that's, I've, I've noticed that my mom was the same way. I think I honestly, like, I, I learned from my mom. Uh, they called, her, her nickname was Turbo because she was always going. <laughs> Um, and I, I have that too, where I'm like, everything has to be booked always. And I've actually, I'm a slave to my calendar. So I go in and I book entire days that are just free days. And it says free day schedule at your own risk. Um, (laughs) I love it. So that way I know that I have a day to recharge if I need to, because if I don't, I will lose track of time and I'll be like, Oh, I just had a day where I relaxed. I need to work. And then I look at the calendar and realize it's been a month. Um, right. So yeah, I try to schedule ahead of time and then really think about if I get invited to something that's on that free day, is that worth it? Do I really want to, you know, like I have to, I ask myself and I, I make a conscious effort. Um, oh, good advice. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but I've been told, I forget how long it is. There's some quote about like, if you do something for a month, it becomes a habit. Um, and so a lot of this is really hard work at the front end, but then after you just keep doing it for long enough, it becomes second nature instead of feeling like you're going against the grain. Um, that being said, I should definitely mention the therapist told me not to expect recovery in a week. Um, the kind of fatigue that, that our bodies are under, you know, the stress that has led to this fatigue, uh, took a long time to build up. And not only do you have to retrain the way that you're thinking, but um, you're exhausted, so you have to rebuild those reserves. Um, He told me it could take you six months to get better. Um, And during that time, you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. And so you're going to have days where you're like, I'm completely healed. I don't even know why I thought I had a problem. And you'll have days that are the worst days you've ever had. Uh, days where everything seems wrong, but you can't figure out why. Um, And on those days, I've just told myself, this is a roller coaster. I'm on a down part. I just need to look at what I absolutely have to do, cut back and get rest today because I'm fatigued today. Tomorrow will be better. Yeah. And so giving yourself permission to have those days when you can't, I mean, honestly, when they happen for me, I... I used to spend time trying to figure out, well, what did I do to get here? That's not helpful. And a lot of times you can't find what happened. It's just that your body suddenly decided that it's maxed out. And so just back off. Don't, don't question yourself. Don't try to interrogate the reasoning for your exhaustion. Yeah, yeah. Just accept that that's what it is and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, back off a little bit. Um, 
So I, I was talking earlier about breathing exercises and um, how I had tried exercise and had problems with that. Um, exercise is good. I would definitely go easy in the beginning until you've had time to build up, um, but because you can overexercise like I did. Um, you also, you know, if possible at the beginning, do nothing, which was the most like daunting and terrifying thing the therapist told me when I first went in. Um, yeah. you know, I said, well, what am I supposed to do? Cause I'm, you know, a very like plan oriented person. Yeah. Yeah. These are my steps for recovery. Exactly. <laughs> just tell me exactly what needs to happen here. Um, <laughs> and the doctor told me just do nothing. And I was like, okay, yeah. And I, I think I was taking notes. So I was like, okay, nothing. What, what does that look like? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, they're like, just, just nothing. Um, and at this point I couldn't read or watch television really. So I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And I will tell you, I've talked to probably five people now who on burnout leave the first couple weeks when they were off from work, they were trying to do nothing and they ended up cleaning their house. <laughs> it's very therapeutic. You feel like you're doing something. You feel like you've accomplished something, but it doesn't take a lot of mental work. <laughs> Yeah, it's not very usually physically demanding. I guess if you're down on your hands and knees scrubbing the floors, that might be a little. Um, and you can take breaks. I mean, it's it's a very simple activity. Um, I I know somebody who decided they wanted new pillows in the living room, and so they just wandered around town window shopping for like half a day. Um, you can go for a walk. You can maybe go to a museum. Something that's, that's relaxing. Uh, for me, I love baking. So I did some baking. It turned out really poorly because my concentration was not great. And so yeah. I ended up being like, this is not good. But <laughs> the process felt good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you could garden if you're not in, you know, frozen tundra of Sweden. In <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so take time to do things that are really basic and really simple. Or if you can, sleep. I ended up sleeping. I'd spend about half my day getting extra sleep because I had been sleeping so poorly for so long that I, I needed rest. I needed actual sleep. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some things you can do and um, just really be gentle and kind to yourself and recognize that you're, you're burning out your body. You're running it to the ground. And one of the things that the therapist told me that I found really alarming and I'm glad that I know um, is that because there is this physical response and you have this depression of the immune system, um, you have, you end up doing damage to your body that, uh, into your brain that can't, you can recover to a certain point, but the longer you're under prolonged stress, um, the more likely it is that you're shortening your lifespan. Wow. So for me, my therapist said, um, you know, and I'm, I'm very privileged to have a great job and to have a husband who has a job. And I, I recognize that, you know, I'm privileged by the color of my skin and my upbringing. Um, so this isn't an option for everyone. And I, I know that some people won't like this advice, but no job is worth the fact that you're taking years off your life. Um, so look at it that way. This is your body. You have one body. And if you ruin it, <laughs> yeah. working yourself um, to death, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's so hard to look at it that way because you're not, at least I don't have a very physically demanding job. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I had some guilt about that too, because it can always be worse. Um, but yeah, just, just recognize that you need to take the steps to help yourself. Um, because this is your body and the harm that you're doing is not entirely, um, reversible. Yeah. It does have, a, it does damage your body. Yeah. I think I told you that I have a friend who, um, uh, a long time ago when she was a single mom, she's very happily married now, uh, to, to a different fellow. <laughs> and, um, but for quite a few years, she was a single mom, uh, no, no support from the ex-husband and just really, really struggling. she was, a um, <laughs> interestingly, now that I think about it, um, she was a highly intelligent, motivated, educated woman. <laughs> uh, but for whatever reason, I don't even remember uh, what the reason was. She was just really, really struggling uh, with work and stuff. And uh, she felt like there wasn't anything she could do but to keep pushing forward and things would get better. And I can't even remember if she had the same kind of job that I know she has now. But um, she pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Her body... Um, went into some sort of uh, adrenal fatigue where mm -hmm. now she literally cannot um, create more adrenaline. I think that was, I think that's the problem. It, it has something to do with the fact that she, she is just for the rest of her life. I think that she might end up, uh, like you said, she might've been told that she might have fewer, fewer years, you know, instead of being 80, she might be 70 or something like that. Um, but she has to be careful of what she does every day now because any day she can exhaust herself because she has no adrenaline reserves. I'm probably not describing this right, except for just to let people know that even though you might be thinking, um, I'll just get through this, maybe at least put a time period on it. Like, especially if you're a single parent or, you know, you're providing for somebody, you're in a, you live in a location where, yeah, I've often lived in locations where John's like, this is the only job. I can't quit it. Um, but maybe if you can at least put a time frame on it, if I can't make my situation better in six or 12 months or, you know, whatever it is, whatever, but have some, have some signposts in the future where you're like, I'm going to look at this again in three months. I'm going to try these breathing techniques and stuff and see whether or not that'll get me another three months. But there's got to be a point at which you say, I and my children and the people relying on me are worth more than this. There's got to be another way to do it. Right. And if you are in a situation where you can't quit your job, um, which a lot of people are in, um, honestly, that's why you need to, to be able to work on the mental aspects of this and being able to uh, recognize when you're having um, perhaps like before a panic attack really goes full into a panic attack, being able to, to step back and take care of yourself, um, being able to talk to your uh, spouse or your loved ones and say, I need help. Um, you know, I, I have friends who, when they found out that I was struggling with burnout, were like, why didn't you tell me? You know, why I could have, you know, they, there's a certain point at, at which, you know, we we're talking about like going out and being social is a great way to combat like um, perhaps social anxiety or, or some other like depression. Um, and so I definitely have a group of friends who have a background of having anxiety and depression and we try to encourage each other to go to events. But if you tell them I'm experiencing burnout and that this is the problem, 
then they're less likely to make you feel bad if you skip on an event or, you know, if you're trying to take care of yourself. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely other ways. Um, you do, you can't always quit your job. You can't always work with your employer to, you know, for me, part of what Sweden does is um, the employer works with the uh, mental health provider and with the, the psychologist and comes up with a plan for how to modify when you go back to work, they'll say, okay, here's what needs to be done to make this a healthy work environment. Because it's not just you. Um, that's, that's another thing that's important to recognize is that burnout, the reason, what happens with burnout is it is work stress. And so it's not just that you can't handle the pressure. Um, it's not that you have something inherently wrong with you. It, there is something about the way your work is functioning that needs to change. Uh, one of the things that you see a lot of is women um, who are very motivated, very intelligent, um, who end up burning out. And some of the studies that I've read have talked about how um, you see a lot of kind of gender bias. It's not necessarily intentional. So, uh, sometimes it is where, um, you know, women get more work put on them. They also are willing to accept more work because they're, they feel like they have to prove themselves. Yeah. And so being able to work with your employer to say, you know, I, these are the things I can do. And, you know, can you work with me? For, for me, I worked with my uh, boss to talk to other people on the team and say, I'm no longer going to be doing these tasks. Um, during this time period, when I'm back at 50%, don't come to me with, with anything other than these, this short list. Yeah. Um, just to help kind of, you know, because my instinct is to say yes. Yeah. So if your boss can help you say no, that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. I realize a lot of employers don't want to help you say no. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so that's work you have to do on your end, but there are different ways than you don't necessarily have to quit your job. Um, it, it would be great if you don't. I mean, yeah. I, for one, I love my job. So I, <laughs> that wasn't something that I was like, ah, forget this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, there's definitely other ways to help. Um, for, for serious burnout, the best thing you can do is to get rest. And that's hard to do if you're going to work, but um, you, you do what you got to do. Right. Yeah. And, um, in any little thing that you can do, like the breathing exercises or whatever, um, mental things that you can do of, of being kind to yourself, the, those will help. Yeah. And I wonder too, if, um, and, and tell me whether or not you, uh, have found this in, uh, your research or in your experience, but I wonder too, if because of the kind of person who might be more likely, and of course we're not, we're, there is no kind of blanket statement here, but, but the kind of person who might be more likely to go through this, um, may also, I'm wondering, be the same kind of person who rarely asks for help. They're usually offering help. And I think that that is one of the hardest things for me. And I, I'm thinking back to my single mother friend. And, um, you know, I, I think I remember asking her. And she's like, well, you know, I, I didn't have any family nearby or anything. And I'm like, did you ask, like, did, wouldn't your friends help? Well, you know, I didn't ask them, you know, versus a different single mom friend that I have here who um, she has like this wonderful support network because she's asked people, can you help me? I got to do this thing, but I have my son and then somebody has to pick him up from school or take him to school, but I've got to be at the doctor. And, and she's got like six different people that she can call, you know, for various small favors. So she's never asking a lot of anyone. And I'm thinking, Oh, she needs to like teach a class on how to ask for help. <laughs> 
It's so true. And you know, it's interesting, not related to burnout. I have read um, different interviews with successful people who have said that um, one of the, that, that people like helping. And so actually people who get really far ahead are people who do ask for help. Because if you ask, if you're trying to, uh, for instance, if you're wanting a, a promotion at work, or if you're wanting um, to get involved in something that you've never done before, uh, one of the best things you can do is to, to approach, approach that person and instead of like beating around the bush, just say, hey, can I ask a favor? And people love doing favors for other people. <laughs> um, and, and I feel like a lot of us are hesitant to do that because we don't want to seem needy. We don't want to seem like we're not capable. We don't want to be indebted to someone. Yeah. But um, it's, it's, one of the, it's a great way to get ahead in life. It's also a great way to have support because then you have people who they've done you a favor. You can do them a favor. That's, you know, it's a relationship then instead of... Um, just trying to keep it all on yourself. And also people don't necessarily recognize that you need help. Um, right. and they could be happy to help and just not know. Um, so yeah, learning to ask for help and it's hard. I hate asking for help. Me too. In <laughs> fact, I habitually now, obviously in the last year, I've had to um, make some, like you said, hard changes, but I realized that um, for all but the last year of my life, I tend to have a habit of being, um, for whatever reason, I won't say happier, more content to do a bunch of stuff internally complaining the whole time that other people aren't helping without actually asking or being a little bit more, sometimes a little bit more than asking, like seriously, you, you really need to help me or whatever. Um, you know, whether it's a coworker or a family or friend or something that you're doing a group project or something, you're like, why am I doing 85% of this? But you never actually say anything to the other people in the group, you know? Right. Yeah, it's true. Just speaking up, um, communication is always good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's a great rule for just life in general. Yeah, so um, true. <laughs> but yeah, so I think um, it's definitely, it, depending on where you live, there's, there's different options. But it, the hardest part of this is recognizing what is happening so that you can make the right changes. Because for me, the changes I tried to make initially were actually harmful uh, in the long run to me. And yeah. so now I, I still, there's, there's weeks. I mean, I, I went out on burnout leave last November and um, still in mid-March, I have weeks where I'm really tired. And instead of pushing my way through my workout schedule and everything I have on my calendar, I will say, all right, it's time for a break. And I will clear my calendar and I'll do whatever. I, I will ask myself, what do you want to do? And I won't play mind games of like, what should I be doing? What should yeah. I want? Um, you know, I'll just say, what do you want? And then I'll do that. And it's really wow. freeing. It, it makes you feel like you have a lot of control, which is great for a person like me. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. And it's, it's still a lot of work. I still feel selfish sometimes. Um, I still feel like I'm letting people down. I don't think I am. Um, I think if you were to talk to my coworkers, I'm, I'm still there for them. But, um, and for my husband as well. But um, yeah, so there's still a struggle. It's not it's something that you can just fix overnight. Yeah. And um, I don't expect to, you know, next month be completely healed and um, able to be this different, better person, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like I have 
this tool set that I can use and I've at least learned to recognize what's happening and um, be able to take those calming breaths, be able to look a little more objectively at what's going on instead of being in that spin, that cycle of um, negativity, of uh, feeling like something's wrong but not knowing what it is, you know, and, and not having control, um, this like very panicked feeling. Um, yeah. Once you're able to say, here's what's happening, it doesn't matter why it's happening, I'm going to take these steps to counter it. Um, I have control. Everything is okay. Um, that's, that's really going to help. <laughs> yeah. And then again, like I said, it's, it's not an overnight fix. You have to be patient with yourself. Um, and tell it's really hard, especially with mental health issues. People don't like to share that, but there are so many people who have some kind of mental health issue and yeah. they really, not only does it make them feel better, but it'll make you feel better because most of them will be um, kind and more lenient with you and patient and give you what you need. And I, I know that from talking to other people with burnout, they feel like they're scared of being judged. Um, and honestly, I can understand a little bit the fear in the workplace, um, yeah. not where I'm at, but elsewhere. But like, if your friends are going to judge you for having mental health issues, I don't know that those are great friends. My friends um, know that I have struggled with anxiety in the past. They know that I'm on burnout um, and they, they're supportive and they're helpful. And a lot of them have a lot of the same problems. So, you know, with the yeah. concentration or with the fatigue. And so we can help each other and really build a community that's strong instead of um, feeling isolated, which is only yeah. going to make you more anxious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to, to kind of add on to that, I mean, you and I both were born and raised and had our first many jobs in America. And I would have to say that I would not want to be talking to anyone at work about this, that I wasn't 100% sure was really my friend friend, not my coworker friend, because I can think of a couple of jobs where um, to be in this situation would have probably put the f permanent breaks on any kind of advancement. Um, and a couple of times I can think of some... I love men. I'm married to one. So I am not anti-men, but there are... <laughs> people out there and I, I've had a couple of male bosses who um, it would have been the kiss of death. I, I can't imagine that I would have gone anywhere ever in that company again if they had thought anything about me was quote weak. Yes, exactly. Which is why I caution against if you're not in a country that has this as a medical diagnosis and you don't know that there's protections for your work, don't, I, I wouldn't talk, I certainly the places that I've worked before, I wouldn't talk to uh, coworkers, even Honestly, probably even my friends, um, unless we were out and truly in friend mode. Um, but yeah, you, I, I do encourage you. If you, there are some people and that feel like they do not have friends and they do not have a good support network, or uh, maybe they're alone and don't have family. Um, there are definitely um, like hotlines and therapists and other people you can talk to. You're you're never alone if you have any kind of mental health issue. I just want people to know that. So yeah. um, there's always options for somebody to talk to. Sorry, my cat has decided to join. <laughs> um, Hello, there's cat. Always, there's always options for people and don't feel like you're alone is really the biggest issue. So yeah, you might not be able to talk to your boss or to anyone at work, 
but there is, there is a way to talk to someone and that, that will help because um, feeling alone when you're having all these issues is, is just going to make you feel worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I've told you that I, I've really been kicking around the last um, six months, the idea whether or not I should write a book on it, not because I am a medical professional or anything like that, but because I haven't seen anything to help me. Honestly, it was after I met you and we became friends enough to, <laughs> after we became friends enough that we were willing to quietly say something that eventually led to the, oh my gosh, yes, burnout. Wow, me too. You're kidding. You too. What can I do to help? Like that was the most helpful thing to me was to find someone else to talk to about it. So, yeah. um, I don't know, maybe you and I were both writers. Maybe we should collaborate and create even a, even a short book, something for help. Because until I met you, I could not find anything to help me. And I wasn't in a country or any kind of position in which I could find, you know, an outsider to help me. So, yeah, no, I, writing something would be interesting. It'd be great to interview a, a medical professional too in Sweden yes. and try to get more, um, cause I'm just giving you stuff secondhand from <laughs> my, yeah. my therapist. Um, and what works for me won't necessarily work for everyone, but, um, yeah, it would be great if there were more resources, especially because it is different from anxiety and depression. And there's a lot of resources out there for, for people with anxiety and depression, right. um, which is amazing and great, but it, it would be good if there were more resources for, um, for burnout. Yeah. Um, and I think part of the struggle there is, is getting it recognized outside of uh, European nations as a medical condition. Yeah. Um, there needs to be, I think, more awareness in general about what it is and what it's not. Um, yeah. You know, because it's, uh, it definitely is something that sounds like it shouldn't be a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think especially because it's a, it's a word, like I have a friend who, um, has to take medication because of an illness. Uh, I, I hate to say illness. Um, I'll just say condition because I don't know. I don't know what it is. A condition that's in the um, the the mental guide. What's that um, mental health guide thing that you know that lists all the different yeah. kinds. Of Anyway, so because she takes medication because of something that's listed in that, she is hypervigilant about friends using the word crazy, you know, just about anything. Oh, I had a crazy day. That guy's crazy. Like she hates it when people say that. Um, where was I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I do this sometimes though, usually for my interviews that are late at night after I've been working all day and my brain is mush, but, um, Okay, can't remember, but when I do, we'll, I'll just come back to it. <laughs> it's been a long week. <laughs> it has. <laughs> but yes, we, we want to reiterate that, um, that it's something that you can um, find. There are things that you can do to help yourself. If you have a friend, there are definitely things that you can do to help your friend. And, um, and it's not necessarily the same things that you would do to help yourself or your friend um, who had depression, anxiety, overwork. Um, that's where I was going with burnout because we've so often just said, oh, I'm getting burned out with this, which sometimes means I'm tired of this. I'm bored. I want to do something else. And so since we've used the word in so many different ways, it doesn't, um, the, the denotation and the connotation aren't necessarily the same anymore. Right. And I think part of like, the thing that I learned about the physical aspect of burnout makes the phrase a little, make, make a little more sense because um, you often hear people talk about the brain like it is a computer. 
Um, and the, the doctor was telling me that it basically your brain is becoming overactive. It's overheating kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it's starting to not function correctly. It's locking up. It's, um, the blue screen of death. <laughs> exactly. You're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Gotta yeah. that. Um, Gotta unplug and replug. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Like it's, um, it doesn't really. It's it a, it's a term that's been thrown around in a lot of different ways. Uh, it was first introduced into um, into uh, medical journals in the seventies, wow. um, and so it's had time to kind of be misused and used in, in, in different ways, um, which is why you know, like like I said, in Sweden, it's the technical. Um, the diagnosis isn't burnout. It's either, you know, um, this fatigue syndrome or, um, exhaustion disorder. And then they make a note that it's related to work. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard. I think burnout has become shorthand, but then it also, there are these other connotations. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, this has been amazing. So much information. I so appreciate you sharing with everybody. Yeah, it's, I think it's great that people learn about it. Like I said, there's, um, there's not a lot of great coverage that isn't somehow mocking or belittling or making it seem like less uh, from what I've seen in the U.S., which I might just be getting a very skewed perspective um, because of I, I'm reading in a particular industry. And so maybe there's, uh, I think the medical industry tends to talk about burnout as well because a lot of doctors also experience this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's great that we've been talking about it because I want people to be able to help themselves. Um, it is truly something that no one else can help you with. Yeah. Um, like you have to do the work yourself and um, for me, that's what makes it so hard is because I, you know, put myself last for so long that I was like, oh, I'll get to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you, I, I love chatting with you about this because I, I want people to be able to recognize the symptoms and hopefully get help and also just know that you're not alone. Um, yes. If you have any mental health issue... Um, don't feel embarrassed about that. Don't feel like that is a stigma. Um, a lot of people try to make it seem like it is a stigma, but, um, just to be slightly political here for a moment, a lot of people try to make being a woman a stigma as well. And I'm not going to let that hold me back. Um, I'm not going to let my mental health, uh, issues over the years hold me back either. So don't feel alone. Don't feel like something's wrong with you. Um, it's just chemistry in your brain and <laughs> the way yeah. that you deal with stress. So, um, you know, good for you for listening and hopefully learning something and getting help if you need help. Yes. And seriously, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, um, you, sorry, we haven't actually been able to see the cat on camera, but <laughs> <laughs> um, seriously, let us know. Leave a comment. Um, either on Twitter, uh, which will we'll give you um, both of our Twitter handles in a second, or on the YouTube comments, or uh, on the website, which is podcast.rightnowworkshop.com. If you think that um, me, us, somebody writing a book on this subject, um, particularly maybe aimed at writers, because uh, I, those are a lot of the people that I know. If they're not writers, they're some sort of creative person. I know an artist friend, uh, a couple of other people who like create other things um let us know because it would certainly um give us an idea of whether or not it's a it's a path for us to pursue pursue so that we can help more people because um at our heart amanda and i are both people pleasers but 
what we can really do with that is choose to take control of the fact that we want to help and do specific things while we are also taking the time to play sometimes, Kitty. <laughs> so, Amanda, where can people find you? You've got a uh, story coming out in a new anthology pretty soon, and, um, and you're on Goodreads and Twitter, I think. But why don't you go ahead and let listeners know where they can find you? Yes, I am on Twitter. I'm the AK Hudson on Twitter. That's my pen name. Um, and I'm also on Goodreads with AK Hudson. No the there. Um, I do have a short story coming out, um, I believe in April. I'm still waiting to hear back. Um, it's in an anthology. Uh, on It's a horror anthology. So um, I think awesome. the, the name right now is Murder in the Park Volume 2. But um, I've, I've got to talk to the editor and find out more. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but I, I'm on Twitter. Um, it will be very full of books. I read a lot, and I like to share what I'm reading. So um, I also... Um, if, you know, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you, you can feel free. We'll, we'll see how crazy that gets. Yeah. <laughs> I, we'll, we'll at least see. Yeah. Because maybe it'll just be a matter of people saying, um, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to read more on this subject. Please write more. Um, if it's, uh, if it's 500 people saying, please be my friend and help me, then there will be some amount of us having to, um, well, the hard part about being this personality is that you want to say yes to everyone. <laughs> so um, that probably wouldn't be able to happen. I'm just saying, I'm probably saying it, not. even though I'm, a part of me is like, I can't do it. I would reply to everyone. But I'm like, no, I just have been told I can't say yes to everything anymore. Right. Well, and, and mostly I meant if you want to talk about uh, books or writing, you can also reach out to me via Twitter. But yes, if you, if you just need somebody to send you, I don't know, puppy pictures or kitty pictures because you're having a bad day and you need help, I love doing that. Um, so, <laughs> you know. And I'm just at Kitty Buholtz on Twitter. So I'm not even sure you and I are Twitter friends. We'll have to go find out. I think I'm following you, but... <gasps> I'm not following not you following back. Me. Oh my gosh, that's going to change in about five minutes. <laughs> Amanda, thanks again. I, I especially in, within this topic, um, every time I ask you to do anything for me, I'm always trying to think, you know, should I be asking, uh, should she, she be saying no? And I very much appreciate that you took the time out of one of your off days to be able to talk to us. I'm sure it's going to be super helpful. And I really, really thank you for it. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I, I try to tell people now that I will let you know if I can't do something because um, I'm really practicing that, um, trying to take that to heart. So I was very happy to do this. I think it's a great thing to be talking about. And I love talking with you. You're so much fun to talk with. So thank you for having me.